You are listening to the Green Lantern Corecast, episode number 121. This episode, Jeff Johns' Moulin Rouge. Welcome, everybody, to the Green Line Corecast. Of course, I'm your host, Frank Mateo. Joining me today are my esteemed two officers with me. First, Honored Lantern, Brandon West, here today with many subjects of news, intrigue, and other such nonsense of the Green Line Core. And also our chief consultant in arts and crafts, Colton. How are you guys doing? Amazing. Uh, Brandon's buzzing, so that must be good. And yourself? I'm not buzzing. Pretty fantastic. <laughs> That's great to hear, professional arts and crafts expert Colton. So today we have a bit of news, and also we're going to be reviewing Red Lantern's number 11. Am I correct? Is it number 11 or number 12? 12. Number 12, the rounding out story of the Rage of the Red Lanterns. Isn't that a storyline that happened like in 2009? Maybe. But we also have a bit of news, and Brandon, you're going to consult us in this bit of news. What is it? Well, um, hopefully I can get this out with everyone hearing me fine. Warner Brothers is moving forward with the Justice League movie. We told you that a month ago. Now it seems that they're head first into this thing. They sent out an offer to uh, Ben Affleck, former Daredevil, former uh, actor in uh, Goodwill Hunting, Gone Baby Gone, director of Gone Baby Gone, director of uh, The Town, and the upcoming movie Argo, which also looks great. Uh, yeah, so the offer is out. Um, chances are he will decline. He's uh, He did not enjoy his superhero experience as Daredevil, so that probably plays a big role in it. But uh, yeah, chances are he'll decline, and this is just a formality. But we figured we want to get you the news, get you excited that uh, at least Warner Brothers is offering the job to people. This is true. They're going head, you know, head first into uh, trying to get this league underway. And picking Ben Affleck, who is sort of questionable in the regard. I mean, he does do great movies. He's uh, he he has been critically acclaimed for his his uh, his directorial fashions. Most of his movies, The Town, is critically acclaimed. Uh, of course, his acting career as a you know leather-clad blind lore in the middle and you know in the Lower East Side, Lower West Side, I'm sick, is you know questionable at best. But hey, as long as he's not wearing like the Superman outfit, maybe we might have something here. Uh, Colton, what do you think of this news? Well, I think he's a fine actor. I'm just, I'm just curious as to what role in the Justice League he could actually play. I mean, is he going to play an actual hero, just like a minor incidental character? Well, again, there's, there's no confirmation or any news de- de- depicting that he's going to be added to a role to the movie outside of just being the director. 
Ben Affleck directs? Yes. You oh, haven't seen The Town? Uh, I don't pay attention to most credits, so... Yeah. Okay. I'd be fine with him directing it, as long as he's not terrible. <laughs> as long as he's not, not terrible. terrible. I think that's, that's everybody's opinion. Yeah, I guess that, that's... Uh... I'm speaking for the people. All right. Well, outside of that, do we have any more news, such as uh, current new Green Lantern's name? Well, now that you mention it, uh, Frank, uh, yes, solicitations uh, for retailers uh, were a little bit updated for November, I mean for October, um, and they happened to give away a small detail involving the Green Lantern books. One involving the Red Lantern books, we're definitely getting the return of the Manhunters, Um and one particular thing in the Green Lantern title is that this new upcoming Green Lantern, who looks similar to Kick-Ass, is named Bass. Bass. <laughs> now, Bass, not to be confused with, like, uh, current Mega Man bad guy, but uh, is spelled B-A-Z, is uh, translate uh, roughly into Falcon, if I'm correct. And his name may have symbolic meaning or something of that, you know, something or other. Seeing that it's a you know a bird in flight, which also coincidentally uh, happened to be Captain Hal Highball Jordan's previous call sign before the Jeff jo- uh, Jeff Johns run. Um, of course, that's completely retconned, you know, out of here. But hey, it may have something to do with it. May not. We'll see. He is the living retcon returned from the grave. Um, I think it's very impressive that you knew that information, Frank. I don't think many Green Lantern fans would know that. Yeah, sure. It's it's one of the, it's one of those like little tidbits of information that's like you know gone the way of I don't know uh, Alan Scott being like not gay, but <laughs> uh, it's it's like one of those things. It's it's all cyclical. He'll be by twenty years down the road, and then after that, he'll go back to being straight. Well, I hope not. I, I sincerely hope Alan Scott, you know, continues, continues to be a positive, you know, gay role model, like in comic book standards, anyway. Also, I hope he gets a cape soon because that costume does look ridiculous without a cape. Really? A yeah. Green Lantern cape? We'll talk. To, we'll talk about his costume. <laughs> we'll talk about his costume soon enough when we uh, start reviewing uh, Earth Two Number Four. But um, yeah, I, I think that costume needs a cape. Uh. <laughs> Outside of that, there is one bit of news, and this uh, and this has nothing to do. Certainly, doesn't have anything to do with Green Lantern, but was we were just recently informed as, as the taping of this of this episode that Joe Kubert, known for his fame of being the man who started a Kubert school in New Jersey, uh, recently passed away at the age of eighty five today. Uh, and we are we have a you know sincerely profound sadness over this because we've lost one of the great legends and and in the in art in our our community and, and many fans will like would know the name synonymous with many titles, you know Superman, uh like you know in DC Marvel fame Green Lantern he's done he's done it all so technically having to having to hear that this man is um is has passed is like losing losing a. a a person that's been with us for most of our lives, so yeah, it's, it, I would, I would say it's not like losing the Michael Jordan of comics, but it's like losing the Kareem Abdul of Jabbar of comics. Uh, I I didn't realize how much I care until like 
I read, I kept reading tweets um, from various comic creators, and it, and I realized my freaking eyes are watering. And then I was just like, like this really sucks. Um, I got a ton of Sergeant Rock comics, and um, even some Hawkman comics that uh, Joe Kuber did, and uh, they're fantastic works of art. Um, He's a he's a pretty amazing creator, and uh, from what I've heard, he's a just an amazing guy. So, uh, uh, rest in peace, Joe Kubert. I, I mean, the the guy's an amazing artist. I mean, most of his, most of his most prominent work was before my time, but whenever I'd either look back at something old or some of his uh, newer work, I'd always be impressed by just the amount of it's just it's just insane to see. I mean, they just don't make artists like that anymore. No. They don't make they don't make artists can keep a monthly schedule anymore, so I should be surprised. But he was just he was just pretty good at what he did, and you know he, he left a good lineage with us with uh with a, with an amazing family with uh, some talent and art there. Sure, his uh, his legacy will live on uh, throughout his his work and through his children, also throughout his school that he left they left behind, and uh, the man was a legend. The man was a living legend. He he will be he'll be greatly missed, and so we at the Green Island Corps. Uh, extend our sincerest feelings to his family and to everyone out there who feels the same way. Peace. Joe Kubert. And to lighten up the mood, uh, I'm sure if Kuhan were here, he would have mentioned a Baz Lorum joke somewhere in that name discussion. Uh, the director of Romeo and Juliet and uh, the upcoming uh, Great Gatsby adaptation, uh, which I'm very looking forward to. And that's just a plug. Go see it, uh, Leo DiCaprio. All right, you can move on now. It's an adaptation of The Great Gatsby, not because of Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, yeah, that's one of my favorite. It's probably my favorite book next to Harry Potter. But, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> one that of these too. things is not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. All right, that was a smooth transition. Come on, do it. <laughs> that, that was a, that was a great transition. Anyway, we're going to move on to our reviews of um, the following books that came out in these past few weeks: uh, Red Lanterns number twelve and Earth Two number four. Uh, we're going to start off with Red Lanterns number twelve, which pretty much ends the continuing story of Atrocitus' rage against anything that he can find that may or may not remind him of what happened on Yzmalt. You mean his rage against the machines? No, I didn't want to make that joke because that joke is stupid. So yeah, yeah. This this is this is again this is the end this is the end um, portion of the of th- this long running story with Peter Million and and everything everything that pretty much happened since issue one of Ray, of of uh, Red Lanterns, where Atrocitus tries to find meaning in his rage in his eons and eons of rage to. You know, find something that quantifies and and makes him singular in purpose of just going out and you know and finding retribution for the innocent and wreaking havoc against those who are guilty. And the story itself does an interesting job in trying to make the focus point um, a business. Of course, you know, uh, Atrocity's first attempt at making a Red Lantern and his and his first failure, and we get sort of more information on Rancor, who, who literally isn't as much of a, a, a leading character as we all thought he may have become. Because many people assumed once we had a, red, a human Red Lantern that the focus would shift to Rancor, for he would be our, 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 
our eyes into into the world of the Red Lanterns. And truth, he wasn't. He was pretty much along for the ride, as many as us, as many with many of us, as it was all pretty much all about atrocities and the cat. But uh, yeah, yeah. Also, also the giant Deus Ex Machina in a plot device at the end, which was like you know, which was something. Uh, Brandon, what do you think of this whole thing? Um. I didn't realize that this was the absolute conclusion. Um, and then I realized this is issue 12 and this is a year long yep. story. I, like I'm amazed. Like it feels like 24 issues. And then at the same time, I feel like it's only been six issues because nothing happened. Um, as this issue, I thought it was, it, I thought it was okay. Um, I was very, very, very disappointed that, uh, the bleeds and fatality story, uh, ended so drastically. It's like, all right, let's very get abruptly. Out of here. Very abruptly. Yeah, very abruptly. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was it was very disappointing for me because I, I really thought that he was working towards something. He had shown um, fatalities, heart, and questioned uh, the purpose of the Star Sapphires, and at the same time, he he was able to to uh, question the purpose of the Red Lanterns and like how long can you truly hold on to rage and I think that was uh, initially what he was going for in those first couple of issues and then he kind of left that and decided I'm just going to kill them all you know and then he bailed on that so I'm like as a, as a story arc it was very very frustrating and it was up and down with its intentions but as an issue I think it, it did a, a decent job of wrapping things up I mean Abyssimus died you knew he was going to die because you know he wasn't that developed um, and it was nice to see Rancor and his powers continue to you know develop that he's not a normal Red Lantern so it was it's always nice to see uh, um, development uh, you tell me your your thoughts on the on the storyline. You know, for this particular issue, I feel like it's a it's a great it's a great improvement because we've actually feel like something's being accomplished. I mean, we get to see a little bit more on a uh, on the whole situation. We get to see the resolve of the business. We get to see that Rancor is finally starting to accept his his Red Lantern side or his human side. We'll see if he might switch like back and forth. You know, like almost like a uh, person with multiple personalities or a uh, you know fight for control. It seems like for the moment he's just content to just uh, bask in his rage. And the whole comment about uh, how long can rage last when applied to Belize, it's like, for me, Belize's rage is a lot more fresh than Atrocitus. So that's why she's able to maintain it even when she's offered love, which the whole comment of love brings back a pretty negative point in her uh, career. Mm. Which is something uh, that almost seemed like they were ignoring for a while there with... uh, John's and stuff where they showed it where it was supposed to be Sinestro but then it wasn't Sinestro it was some guy and it, he didn't even do anything but kiss her and then she got mad well of course that's all we saw but we also led to, to be implied that a lot more things happened yeah but with the way they were playing it was kind of like they were almost like saying like oh it, it can be read in many different ways but this one they actually for the first time actually directly mention it hmm okay. I just noticed that because the only time I ever saw it mentioned before this was uh in that uh, bio book, the Sinestro Corps Secret War and Files. Yeah, which, by the way, was actually nice. I like those little side books. Anyways, uh, I mean, the issue was decently drawn. I mean, it made progress with the story. We got the Red Lanterns back and healed. <laughs> I, I like the uh, little bit into uh, Tross's character. It's like, uh, but you can feel you you could have redemption. You could put your you. He's like, 
I'm never giving up. I like that little uh, nod to his character of the fact that he won't let go of his grudge no matter how much time passes. Singular and intent. Which is perfect timing if, if what we understand about the Manhunters coming back is true. Because I don't think we've seen him as pissed off as he'll be once they return. Hmm. All right. Brandon, um, if you can continue. Uh, well, piggybacking off of what Colton said, um, I, I did think this this uh, issue had a, a very good art, uh, especially compared to Ed Bennis. Um, it was it was very gritty. It was very uh, in your face and bloods gushing. It, it, it was what I wanted to see from Miguel Sepulveda. What I didn't enjoy about the art was Atrocitus' uh, redesign that Ed Bennis did, um, especially with that without the helmet. It really, really makes him look weird, um, almost Red Skull-like. But uh, yeah, I, I essentially agree with what Colton just said. It's, it was it was pretty good on the most for the most part. And uh, you know, aside from some Star Sapphire. Um, being looking like punks just letting the Red Lanterns get away on their home world, you know, aside from that then uh, I thought it was a decent issue. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's, that normally happens to like most Lantern Corps on their home world. They normally let whoever the hell's trouncing about actually leave intact. Happen to the Blue Lanterns, happen to the, happen to the Red Lanterns, happen to the Green Lanterns at least three times. Um, they don't believe in home security, apparently. <laughs> Uh, well, the only, the only other things I can say about this this storyline is that yes, it took too long to, for us to get a, to get a, a final conclusion of the story of the of the storyline. It was it was from issue one, which came out last year, to now was a, yeah, again a year long storyline of uh, Peter Milligan trying to you know trying to answer the the one singular question: How can you make an entire army of rage? Adult lanterns and make them interesting, and uh, and his his answer was, technically take it away from them, take away their rage, take away their their one cause to uh, to be up in arms with, by taking away their power and giving them death, and then only in death can they find their true meaning, which I guess is a surviving trait. I find I find that to be slightly, you know, slightly like slightly okay storytelling, but in truth, at the very end of it, no one really learns anything. Like, there's not really a uh, a, a, a lesson learned or a or a um, ideal to be like you know to be a whole. All all you're all you're given is that Rancor uh, accepts his burden, doesn't try to fight it, just accepts his burden. Atrocis accepts the fact that he only he's only he only has one intent: rage. Nothing more, nothing less. He will be the unspoken hammer of rage to the to the universe by his own prerogative. Nobody else's. There's no there's no judge, no jury executioner except for him. Uh, Bleez learns that she can do whatever she wants as long as she wears fishnets and has bone wings. <laughs> <laughs> there's 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 nothing else. There's nothing else to many of these characters except for the sheer fact that they were all given a means out, a like a singular singular mean out uh, means to get out of their of their their endless cycle of, of bloodshed and rage, and every single one of them refused it to continue the one singular intent that the story even brought up in the beginning. Well, 
did did Rancor really get a way out? He got, yeah, he did. He got a way out. One like when, what? Killing himself? No. Well, not not even that. He had his way out by by more than likely accepting uh, Guy Gardner. If he if he actually stayed with Guy Gardner and tried to figure a way out of that, he would have he would have been freed. But he didn't have a. a a choice in that matter. He was so confused at that point. Yeah, he was, was confused at that point. But Guy eventually does show up later in the book, which is, again, we- a weird, you know, uh, section of the, of the story where three Green Lanterns show up on Yzmo to try to help Rancor or do whatever the hell they can to uh, prevent the Red Lanterns. And the moment that they find the planet destroyed, they all leave, and you never see the, Red Lan- the Green Lanterns ever again. It was just it was just a, a little slight string to continue to continue the story with uh to continue the story with um Rancor's business on Earth. They should have I I don't know it really doesn't feel like Rancor had much of a choice because by the time he oh, gained wow. enough enough say or control, there was no one there to help him. That's true. That's true. But they were they were all offered as uh, like a small way out. Except by the but by the time Rancor decided to like you know try to find anything, he decided to stick with the Red Lanterns because that's all, that's all he had. He had no real choice. That's true. So how about that cliffhanger though? The oh, five the, inversions. Yeah, the five inversions seem to be uh, coming back. So these you know as if for anyone who doesn't know, uh, you know Green Lantern Lord and and the Tiger story from way back when the, that gave Jeff Johns. Like all the ammunition he needed for all these storylines, um, the Five Inversions are the soul. Were the sole survivors of Yzmalt, or is it Ryu? I keep calling it Yzmalt. Um, Yzmalt is the planet. Uh, hold on, now I'm confused. Yeah, I'm confused. Well, that, and there were two planets. There was Yzmalt and uh, Ryut. Can we just say Sector Six Six Six? Yeah, Sector Six Six Six. Sector Satanic number numeral. Um, they were the five surviving members of the Empire of Tears, which were, which were, um, which were all imprisoned in prison on the planet by Guardian Order to uh, stay there and rot for all eternity. And Atrocitus was the only one who escaped, murdered his uh, his his fellow his fellow inversions, and used their blood to create the. Um, the red light spectrum, or be able to house them and you know and control it, and that's where we got the you know the one of the first multicolored you know cores from. For all the people who complain about uh, where does he get the technology? It's like he just blood sacrificed four of the most ancient evil beings in the universe. I think that works. Yeah, you know, of course, you know when when science and and logic is thrown out the, thrown out the window, you rely on magic. Remember this, magic. All in the DC universe. If you cannot justify it with a scientific term, but yes, these five, these four inversions that were left that Atrocitus murdered are now coming back. It would seem at the very end of the storyline uh, as blood gulping, baby deformed teeth monsters, which is how they, technically they looked originally. Yeah, they were very nightmarish Lovecraftian things. Which was, you know, just again hilarious that Atrocitus is a bipedal dude with like not really that many scars anymore. It's like they they they, they made fun of him growing up for looking so normal, and yeah, and and his children, and, and Saint Walker, <laughs> and his ugly children, and, and his, his wife Saint Walker. Walker, and his wife Saint Walker. Remember this, Greenland loyalists and fans of ours. Atrocitus married Saint Walker in some parallel universe, and and he died. He died. 
So uh, the same with their love child. Forever, daddy. Forever. <laughs> also, also remember that was a, that was a cute bit in the you know in the story in the last bit of the storyline where <laughs> where as Dexter falls to give Dexter any meaning in his character. As he falls, Atrocity is not reminded of the fact that he loves that cat. No, he re- he's reminded of the fact that he falls, suspended in that in time, like my daughter's ragdoll, falling life <laughs> to the ground forever, never stopping. Oh yeah, don't pay attention to the injured cat. <laughs> don't 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 pay attention to the to the to the cat that we're all supposed to look at and be like, oh, we love that cat, Rage Kitten. Rage Kitten's awesome. Like, nah, Rage Kitten doesn't matter. Rage Kitten is no longer even no longer even powerful enough to even like qualify a storyline anymore. Uh, just for clarification, uh, Yizma was the throne world for the Empire of Tears, and Ryu was uh, Atrocitus's home world. Oh yeah, because again, it was a sector that was destroyed, not just a singular planet. Right. So uh, there you go. Um. And now, to bring us to get away from, uh, from, again, the story. Again, good story. Great art from, you know, uh, Miguel Sepulveda. Uh, Sepulveda. I'm sorry, Sepulveda? Yeah, there, there you go. That sounds more Hispanic. Yeah. Uh, Miguel Sepulveda. Uh, his artwork was fantastic. A lot better than Bettis's. And again, this storyline finally, finally ends, and we're going to finally get something brand new, hopefully, in the next, in issue 13 of, uh, Red Lanterns. And stay tuned, because again, The Empire of Tears, the five versions, or the four versions are coming back. So we may get even more tiger prophecies going on. So stay tuned for that. It's uh, all tiger blood. So now we're going to move on to Earth, uh, Earth 2, number 4, where we get to see the Man of Grey and the Man of Green go at each other. which is a, uh, And also we get to see the, uh, the Atom. Um, this issue pretty much again starts off with uh, Solomon Grundy destroying Washington, D.C., the Flash finally gets his name <laughs> offhandedly by some dude on TV because that's how news is, you know, that you know, given to people nowadays. You know, you just randomly have a television that's, you know, coincidentally has its volume all the way turned up, telling you stuff like in the middle of the streets. Because that happens on everybody's block. In this universe, it apparently does. And uh, of course, we get to see a little bit more of Hot Girl. We get to see the Atom. Uh, by the Atom, I mean. The Atom, the uh, the original Atom, who was all about wearing yellow and blue spandex, and used to have a cape and be shorter than everybody else, but now it's tall and huge, and has was power it, hands. Wasn't he called the Atom Smasher or something like that? He was called the Atom Smasher at one point, yes. But it was he was normally called just the Atom. Wasn't really anything else. I, I guess he kind of mixed his old powers with the powers of the uh, size changing Atom. Exactly, which is uh, you know Ryan Troy or Ray Palmer, fame. But not that guy. Not that guy. Think, think Justice Society, Adam, if you can uh, look him up. Um, and we also get to see uh, a little bit, of, a little bit more action for uh, Alan Scott uh, racing into battle with his knightly green shiny armor, which is again has no bearing to the same costume we had prior, which was you know red shirt, you know purple pants. No, red shirt, green pants, and purple cape. His costume was so random back in the day. Hey, listen, man. If you ever, you know, if you had to stop and put a, yourself together a circus fairing outfit, and you only had some supplies available to you, you'd be so lucky to look that awesome. I can't deny that. There was some brown in there too. Yeah, it's, nah. He had yellow, like 
straplings on his feet. Never really had any. Oh, was it the belt? He had a brown belt. Belt coming brown. I'm not sure if he had a brown belt. That was black. Could be wrong. He, he has a black belt. You know, Scott, At one point, he wore brown. Just take my word. Okay. Adam Scott, Adam Scott has separate, you know, several, several costume variations throughout the years. Uh, yes, when he was uh, known for Green Lantern and Sentinel fame, you know, it was he had he always normally at least wore red and green. We can at least be sure of that. And and remember when he when he got back the title of Sentinel and got all that power from the Starheart back, and he it sounded so cool. Then they immediately cripple him and break his neck. That is a story after the fact. He was still going by Green Lantern. Didn't he have his neck broken? Then he no, wore like a was, cast suit. Yeah, that was that was when he was Green Lantern fame. He wasn't Sentinel. He was still Green Lantern. This was the Justice well, Society storyline. This is actually uh, during um, uh, I forget like Hero City. I keep forgetting what the, that's that that store that city was called at some point. Or I mean, story. like a story like a year or two ago. Yeah. Yeah, he was called Green Lantern. He wore later yeah, on, but, but he was, but he Mark, was Mark Sentinel. Was. He was Sentinel prior. He was Sentinel at at that point, like ten years prior. I mean, he was that in power. Oh, in power! Yes, he was man. similar in power because he, he since then his power has always has always been internalized as a as a energy that he was able to spew out from inside of him, never needing a battery anymore, but still focused it around a ring. Yes. Technically, that's what he is now. Uh, Alan Scott is technically that same Green Lantern, no longer having a power battery, but is able able to focus internalizes his his energy to focus it through a ring. Who he was going to give to his to his dead now boyfriend. I'm sorry for that guy. That poor person. It, it, that's what happens if you date a superhero in these universes. You get killed. And normally, this is how you, you this this is like a standard fare for most Green Lanterns now. Anyway. Which is, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's I'm the sorry. Kyle Rayner verse too. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say. Normally, normally now, if you're going to be a Green Lantern, your loved one has to die. In some method and fashion, your loved one has to meet an untimely, gross death, so you can have motivation to become what you're meant to be. I think it's uh, interesting that uh, he has that old-fashioned, uh, not necessarily old, old-fashioned, but that old uh, lantern symbol on his chest uh, that Kyle had. Oh, you, oh, you're talking about Kyle's ion symbol? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not really old-fashioned. I mean, that's more modernized than anything else. But it does... 90s. It does, it does fit his costume in a certain way because his costume, again, is supposed to be night-ish. Uh, he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be a knight. He's supposed to be the Earth's new Superman. You know, Earth 2's new version of Superman. So he's, it's sort of symbolic in a way. It's supposed to be sort of have a medieval flair. Same with his, you know, random shoulder pad thing going on. But um, yeah, yeah. I still, I still say, I still say he needs a cape. He'll probably get one once he gets uh, to thinking about it. I mean, to be completely honest, uh, you know, before we get into the before we get into the into the review of the actual book itself, Brandon, you were thinking, like, why does he need a cape? You, you tell me right now, why doesn't he need a cape? Well, I think the costume looks good without it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the page where he glides over the water and flies. I say glide when he flies over the water, and it looks good. I think a cape would distract from it. It would. Uh, bring more comparisons to other characters with Kate. Um, and plus, if you look at the 
Incredibles. Capes get you killed. Oh, Incredibles. Okay. The Incredibles. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, but here's the thing. Yeah, go, go. Here's the, here's yeah, the thing. Wait, capes it, 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 capes it, it, get you killed, people. It's the DC universe where, where capes bring you honor. And I mean, this this is got this guy basically has the same powers as a Green Lantern, but in his own magical way. So he can create whatever costume he wants whenever he wants. He can change a costume every single day if he wanted to. It's all up to him. I mean, all, all an artist or writer does is decide, you know, I want to change up a little, and poof. Well, again, the the only the only real reason I, I got to say he needs a cape is not only for the fact that you know the original Ant Scott wore one, but it's it's mainly because he he's supposed to be again be Earth's new Superman. I mean, the story basically tells you that like you know, at least three times that he's supposed to be the Earth's new like protector, like it's new shining knight, and he sort of he he has to sort of fit the part. And in order to fit the part, he can't just have a singular, a singular leotard that normally like everyone else is wearing. Yeah, he can't just be some dude in a in a t-shirt with a symbol on it. That wouldn't be Superman. He, he technically needs to be like he needs to stand out from the rest, you know. And that's and that's one of the greatest things about Alan Scott's character that I loved like, before before you know everything got retconned. Alan Scott was the statesman. He was the general leading the charge for every other character whenever a big deal event would occur and you never had Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman there for the charge. Alan Scott was the one, uh, the forerunner to bring everyone together into, into going into battle. He was the one everyone you know, relied upon. Um, so I, I, I have to say he needs something more to like let him stand out above the rest than having a full green suit with sort of metallic, like, you know, armbands and, you know, mixture of not metallic but has to be metallic shoulder pads that lead to his chest and then having a metallic green lantern symbol which is again sort of weird because it's supposed to all be a metallic piece but it isn't but then again it is a it is an energy construct you know from from wherever the hell this energy stores is coming from but again uh i've i've got you know i've derailed this conversation you know you know too far and thinking about you know Alan scott's awesome attire um but yeah going back to the actual story itself and ed greenlander shows up to sit pretty much like you'll save the day issue four brandon what do you think oh, i thought the art was was really really good really really solid the that is grab anatomy you can really like when when she wants to break down and have a fist on fist battle or fist on face rather it it looks gorgeous absolutely gorgeous the problem with earth 2 and it's been the problem since issue 2 is the dialogue is just so generic so cheesy it's just so bland that i immediately want to toss it aside it's just not interesting it's just so by the book that it completely takes away from the action going on and then there's this big heavy focus on the green and uh gray which is similar to the swamp thing and the yes, animal man which, and i'm sorry i'm sorry to like you know like cut you off but it's sort of that's sort of very true when you're reading this book and if you have been reading most of all all of dc's you know titles especially you know the amazing animal man and swamp thing books you sort of see a, 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 a portion of similarities between the rot and the green and the red from their books to this, the man of gray and the man of, of green here. 
like there's there's a weird pattern going on with you know abstract colors and that I guess has been going on going along with uh, Jeff Johns' mission statement of you know making anything color like, taking a single color making that into a full blown giant uh, you know embodiment of whatever it's it's you, you know maybe it's just it's maybe it's just a kind of a conceptual thing where uh, it's like the universes even though they're different they have certain similarities and this is the extent of the similarity between those concepts. And because the universe is – these are Earth 1 and Earth 2 – or the new Earth and Earth 2. These aren't – this isn't Earth, new Earth and Earth 47. It's not just some big jump in there. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with them blending uh, the two worlds or even um, the red reaching in the books like uh, – the Ravagers, where Beast Boy is red and not green anymore. Um, I think my problem is is that we're on the fourth issue of a brand new series that's supposed to be this world building book, and you're already you know taking concepts from two books that, while they're decent, um, that part of the book isn't what's drawing me to those books. And uh, so, uh, decent? You mean excellent? He has, okay, subjective. He has his right for an opinion. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Animal Man started out well. Swamp Thing has nice art. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're taking aspects of comics that that are good, but you're not taking even the best aspect of those comics. And I think that's bogging down and it, a series that's already, like I just said, has bad dialogue. Not necessarily bad, but boring and bland, generic dialogue. And it's not providing anything new in this series. Like, the only thing new we got is seeing our characters that we've known for years rebranded. And, I mean, what's how long does that appeal last? I mean, let's get into these characters some more or, or at least present some new con- – I mean, this is James Robinson. This guy is responsible for the Golden Age, um, the Shade series that's doing amazing things that no one's talking about. Like – we know he's he can do it. I just said it on the last month's issue that you know he's got to be the most inconsistent man in comics, and I think this issue right here pretty much you know proves my point. He just swings from one pendulum to the next. It's really really frustrating. I'm out of breath. I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. You you are passing in your opinion. I have to agree. James Robinson does seem to have. That pendulum swing in determining how good his writing is going to be, and this one does seem a bit wordy for for my type. And to be completely honest, I would have been confused. I would have been wouldn't be completely surprised if this if uh, instead of having James Robinson on the title, it would have said Jeff Johns, because there's a lot there's a lot being like explained to you in singular pages outside of just being you know naturally towed. And do we really need a couple of pages talking with this army? when they're not going to play a single role like it, it's just confused like why why bother you know you can't just show solely the important things in a story you need to show just kind of like the background characters and incidental events because it brings to, it brings the universe more to life when you see like the subtle things that may not matter much in the grand scheme of things but give give a little life to the okay. universe okay okay here's, you gotta do here's, it well. yeah here's my problem with what you just said I have no no problem with that the problem is that that's not being shown here What's being shown here is a lot of exposition being told to you about current facts that is going to be for, like spoon fed to you instead of naturally progressing. Instead of having like a, a, a single issue dealing with just certain characters, you're being thrown four or five different, different statements and none of them are really being 
you know, explained or explained properly. Like for like for the the fact with the army people, you get uh, two seconds of you know of them having complete advanced technology, finding the atom, and then they're gone. And then you see the atom again. He's already you know he's already shown to be full form in his costume and getting thrown out of a plane. Like you don't, there's no singular focus on these characters yet to give me any inclination that I should actually care what's happening with them. And next month we're getting an origin story of three characters that aren't in the book anymore. Like, well, the, 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 that's an issue zero problem. That's just setting up a establishing early origins. Yeah, but that's that's beginning. DC's problem with the whole with the whole uh, thinking that they didn't need to do it. You know, thinking they didn't need to have an origin story for anybody and going a full year without actually giving us anything until now. You know, it's 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 their prerogative to try to you know try to rectify that. Everybody's asking why is these things happening and why there's so many you know detrimental shifts between like different characters that we've known. And then you, they're saying that no, they're just, they're still the same, but they're not. What I think is going to end up is going to end up happening is once we get through this initial first arc where they finally establish your main cast and uh, get everyone together and get like some of the more main plots out, that's when we're going to get the uh, the smaller time uh, simple stories behind the scenes with characters and individual focuses. Oh, we'll see because mo- most of that hasn't been happening yet. Like individual focus on characters isn't occurring anymore. Most of these are just being led into giant event stories. Mostly, all these stories are are always. Sing, like singular in the one intent that they're just little blockbuster stories that are happening between you know intermissions. That's that's it. Well, it was, well, that's what Robinson said about his stories that he wanted to after he gets this initial setup to go on just a little like single maybe two issue stories like with certain characters and occasionally you know like like a Justice Society thing. But that's why they have it as the R uh, two and not just like just just the Justice Society because he wants to cover a lot of characters. Well, hopefully we'll see we'll see if that actually is true and actually pans out. Which which is an I think a not only a nice concept, but because he's Earth two, there's not going to be an extreme number of crossovers early on at least. You might just get an occasional crossover because because they're going to give us a Crisis of Two Worlds things at some point. Yeah, right? that's probably on the docket for 2014. Um, I, I w- that that wouldn't shock me at all if it ended up being next year instead. But uh, uh what was I going to mention? Yeah, um, you mentioned uh, single issues and two issue arcs. Um, hopefully, that's the case. I mean, that that sounds excellent to me. I've I've been reading the same uh, James Robinson interviews that you have been, Colton, and I think everything he says is absolutely perfect. But at the same time, usually when Jeff Johns speaks or Grant Morrison speaks or any other writer, you know, Kyle Higgins speaks, I love interviews. You know, you can hook me on an interview, but if that doesn't translate to what comes out. For two ninety nine, then you know there's no point in you know believing what you say. So it, hopefully, yeah, go ahead. It, it just depends on editor interference. Well, again, hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll see that you know one one or two storyline arcs with you know in single issue format, two issue format will be fantastic. Hopefully, we'll get this. Hopefully, James Robinson will actually be able to do this instead of having editorial mandated that it you know it can't happen. Hopefully. He'll stick to game, stick to his story, and we'll we'll be able to get you know small little little stories that you know flesh out more characters instead of just having you know drag down knuckle fighting you know let's just get into like you know the next events here. Yeah, hopefully, we'll get more of a personal you know a personal uh, 
investment in these characters soon enough. Um, outside of that, the only thing I can say with the Men of Grey and the J Champion is that I really want him to have a cape again. And can we? I, I'd really love if no one ever, ever called him the J Champion. Again. Yeah, I would. I would. I would. <laughs> I would appreciate if they never called him the J Champion either. I, I prefer the Emerald Knight. Uh, that would. That would. That would be a treat just to never have that again. Also, Solomon Grundy having this weird uh, the brain. Uh, I don't like his brain just being out there. That's, that's I thought I, 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 I just hate the little, you know, little, you know, bottom leather strap thing that he's going with. <laughs> what? So- Solomon Grundy went pants too. Listen, no, okay, okay, that's that's not pants. That's that is some weird, you know, leather fetish thing. And I should know. I've seen plenty of my share. But yeah, that's. That's just not that's just not weird Solomon Grundy whatever. Which again, I have no idea what kind of Solomon Grundy this is because clearly we're not explaining to explain to us who he is or what he's about. All we know is that he's the, he's the gray, you know, the the ambassador of the gray, which is I guess the rot, but whatever. We'll see when we get more on Solomon Grundy. Hopefully, he will be a former gangster who got killed in a mob for gold and uh, jumped in a swamp, and we'll eventually start wearing a fedora. But if he doesn't, and I have to stick through this weird letter assless chaps thing that is going on, um, I guess I, I just assume he came back in whatever whatever body they chose, and they just happened to go stop by down the old local bonded shop. I guess. Also, whoever that cop was being suspended in the in the cop car as he's holding it up in the middle of the street. Yes, I have no idea how he, that dude was even doing whatever the hell. He, he is doing. amazing, right? He's the greatest cop of all time. <laughs> he's like held upside. He's like, nah, screw this. Firing my shots at this guy, and it gets thrown with the car, and it looks like he survived. Now that's a cop. Oh, man, I hope he. I hope he becomes like the next question or something. Uh, it'd be it'd be awesome. It would be a fantastic a fantastic addition to the Earth Two uh, Department of uh, like Washington D.C. Whatever. Well, I guess that's about our time here in the Green Lantern Corps cast. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed our internet's ridiculous. Our talks. Hopefully, you enjoyed our 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 reviews. And hopefully, you enjoyed our our static. Not the static, but mostly mostly our our time. Uh, also, if anyone wants to discuss whether or not Alan Scott has a, should have a cape or not, uh, hit us up at the Green Island Core forums and uh, let us know your opinions. Because I honestly want to know what you guys are, th- are, th- are thinking about, whether or not Alan Scott should have a cape. Because honestly, I think he should. If you guys think he should, let's get, a, get, a, you know, get back to us. Let us know. If, if any artists are out there also, try to, try to draw that. You know, give us give us an like, inclination of what Alan Scott will look like. The new Alan Scott will look like with a cape. Because honestly, I want to see those renditions. Myself. I agree or disagree, just tell us what you think. It's always fun to hear from fans. Exactly. Anyway, guys, tell everybody it's been great to, you know, to uh, hear for you. It's been great. Amazing. Awesome. All right, guys. Also remember, let the power protect you. Stay green. Be sure to check us out at www.thegreenlanterncore.com. You can also email us at contact at thegreenlanterncore.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the GLCore. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash GLSpotlight. You can reach our voicemail line at 313-GL1-2814. That's 313-451-2814. 
Thanks for listening, and check us out next time. And please stop masturbating when I'm talking to you. Be sure to check out Kirby Crackle performers of our opening theme, Ring Capacity, at www.kirbycracklemusic.com. Also check out the Roy Clark Method performance of our ending theme, Sector 2814, at freeweb.com slash Method. magic green it is the color green it can do anything sometimes it speaks to me it says how what have you done with your life people around you keep dying use your will to right the wrong and don't make us wait You are listening to the Green Lantern Corecast, episode number 121. This episode, Jeff Johns is Strictly Ballroom. Jeff Johns is Romeo plus Juliet. Jeff Johns is Moulin Rouge. Jeff Johns is Australia. Jeff Johns is The Great Gatsby. The joke is that they're all Baz Luhrmann movies.